I'm not talking about a, some kind of a power that I can just pull out my, my, my lucky rabbit's foot and wave it around and say, poof, it's changed. That's not what faith is. That's not faith. That's not what the Bible is. Faith is saying that I'm confident and I'm going to get through whatever God has for me in my life. Everybody say amen. All right, Craig, come on up, will you please? And it's good to have you at Cornerstone. This is uh, Craig Stevenson, and, and of course, um, this is uh, the son-in-law of, of Cheryl and David, but more so, um, he's just uh, a great friend of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's been in the ministry really all of his life. He was raised on the mission field. Yes. I've, I've, met his, I've known his dad for years and years, and he's a wonderful young man. He's, uh, he's, last, he's been down in uh, Huntsville uh, at a church for the last four years, yeah, five four years. Yeah, four and a half, going on five. Half, very good. And so he is now taking a new position and, uh, at, uh, at uh, BBFI, the clearinghouse, the missions house, and he's taking a position there, and he's going to be, be I guess you're kind of in between now. You're still youth pastoring, and you're with the BBFI yes. Missions Clearinghouse, but in two weeks you'll be full-fledged at yeah, the clearinghouse. Yeah, fully on staff with the mission office. So we're excited so. about that. So we want to pray for Craig and his family, and, of course, they're making that transition, and those three beautiful kids and making one more transition to yet another yeah. another town. And, That's right. And so we're praying for that transition, Thank but you. praying for God's blessings. and. If you don't know anything about, um, maybe you don't know, but the BBF Clearinghouse is a clearinghouse that we use quite a bit here at Cornerstone, and uh, they support hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of missionaries throughout the world, and we send our money to them. We take the missionaries on for support. We send that money to the clearinghouse, and those missionaries receive every penny of that money. None of it's eaten up in administrative cost. And then, in, in turn, the BBFI offers so much more for the missionaries to be on the foreign fields. And so they do a great, fantastic job there in Springfield. And I'm excited that they got you, and, and uh, I know they're excited they got you. But we're glad you're here this morning, well, Craig. Thank you. And, uh, and, of course, we're continuing our, our series on the famous last words of Jesus and so Craig is going to go right and follow in that in that in that uh, series this morning for us. Okay, so look, give the Lord one more hand this this morning, and let's welcome Craig. And thank you very much. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Fox. It is great to be here this morning. Uh, my name is Craig Stevenson, and uh, my family is here this morning. We have my wife Lindsay uh, Stevenson back over here with two of our kids in the back, uh, Hunter or Canyon and Nicole, and then Hunter is down here in the front. And it is always an honor. To be asked to speak in a church, and it's great to be here this morning. Uh, recently came back from Romania. I've uh, been on a mission trip for about a week and a half. We were there for about 10 days uh, in Romania, the, the place that I grew up. And I uh, got to go on a, a trip with our church from Huntsville. We took 27 people uh, over there and got to show them around the country, work in some churches. And uh, this morning, what I want to do is I want to tell you about some of the places that we were, we were ministering there, uh, a little bit about our trip. Uh, show you a video. I thought I'd bring the video and show you some pictures and a recap of our trip and then come back. And I want to tell you specifically about one gentleman that we met while we were there that was instrumental in starting a church and uh, all of the circumstances that revolve around that and then how that relates to us and the words that I was given to, to speak about today. It is finished. The, some of the last words that Christ spoke while he was on the cross. Uh, just a phenomenal set of verses. Looking forward to, to breaking that down for us just a little bit this morning. Uh, but before we get started, I just want to show you this video. It takes a few minutes, but I hope you enjoy the pictures. And what I want you to do is I want you to focus on the faces that you see in the video. Uh, because one thing has always been interesting to me. It doesn't matter what culture I've been in. It doesn't matter what country I've been to, and I've been to, to several. Uh, one thing is the same, that people are people. Uh, it doesn't matter where you're at. People are people, and people need Jesus. 
um, in Romania, just like they do here in, in I was going to say Huntsville, Texas, but we're in Decatur today, but Decatur, Texas. And so I want you to pay attention to the faces, the, the pictures, and I'm going to come up and explain some more about our trip, and uh, we'll move on with our morning. So if we could play that video. I wanted to show you the video this morning because I want you to understand that people in Romania are really no different than people in America. Uh, the people that we got to minister to while we were there, the kids love to play games. They love to get candy. They love to uh, see Bible stories. And I say see because we had this flannel graph board that, you know, that they had never seen before, which was just incredible to them. And so they enjoyed going up and putting the characters and things on the, on the uh, board itself. You know, it, people in other countries are just like us. And, uh, you know, as I travel around and I think about it, I love Sundays specifically because every hour of the day on Sunday, I, can you imagine what it's like if you were God listening to people all around the world gathering together in churches just like this, regardless of the culture, and lifting up the name of Jesus? And, it, you know, I just I love that thought. I love thinking about that. And, uh, you know, other things um, about our trip, just uh, to fill you in on a few other things, we um, got to minister in three different villages, three towns. Uh, one town was called Lupsha. It's a very small community, maybe three or 400 people that are there. Uh, the town is so small and it's so poor there that the children do not have a school that they can go to from the time that they start school to the time they get out. They can only go to school there up until a certain age, and then they have to be bused to other towns uh, depending on the types of schools that they, they have to go to. Uh, and sometimes they have to walk to other towns depending on the, the time of the year and whether uh, transportation can get into them because of the snow and the ice. Uh, in this small village, um, there's a very small church that meets in a very small room. And our group was as big as the group that was there meeting. And it was just amazing to see these people who have nothing coming to church to worship God, the, the creator of the universe, uh, despite anything else that's going on in their lives. You know, then we were in Severine, a, a, big, uh, a bigger city down on the Danube River. Uh, matter of fact, you could take a rock and throw it and pretty much hit Serbia across the river. It was really a, a cool place to visit. But the church there, um, we were able to have a youth service one night and invite an entire music and art school uh, from Severine to come and join us for a youth service. We saw seven students saved that night, and it was just an amazing time to get to see uh, students interact with the teenagers that were on our, our, our trip with us as well from America and had a, had a great time. Uh, but the, the, the place that I really want to tell you about is a little town called Rogova. Uh, Rogova is a unique city in Romania because uh, there are very few places where the gypsy people in Romania, and, and there's a number of people in Romania that are gypsies. The highest population of gypsies uh, in Europe is in Romania. And uh, in this town, is one of very few towns where Romanians and gypsies coexist, and they do so in a way that is somewhat um, nice, okay? There's a lot of race issues between Romanians and gypsies. The, typically, the gypsies do not like the Romanians, and the Romanians hate the gypsies, uh, so much so that they've just now passed legislation that allows the gypsy children to come into the Romanian schools and be a part of the schools. And so it's a very tough situation. But in this town, one thing that the gypsies and the Romanians have in common is how poor they are. And so it's amazing that, that in this place, the thing that is 
so hard for them is the thing that binds them regardless of their backgrounds. Uh, this town is very, um, very much given to drinking uh, alcohol. Uh, drunks are at a high, high rate in the city. Uh, they, there are a lot of bars. There are a lot of strip clubs. There are a lot of places like that uh, because people take the little money that they have and they don't have the entertainment options that we have in America or even that the bigger cities have there. And they go and they spend what money they have in the bars to get drunk just to get their minds off of what's going on in their life and how bad things are. And so you see um, these, these gypsy um, children and these Romanian children that are growing up in these kinds of homes. And they've had no church, no ability to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ until recently. Um, there was a man that we met. His name was Mac. And uh, he is the, uh, really the guy that I would love to bring over to America and let you meet in person. Uh, Mac uh, grew up in Rogova, and he is an older gentleman now. And this is him on the right. We have some pictures here that I'll show you through the, this process. But the man on the right, his, uh, his name is Mac. And uh, he was the bouncer at the biggest bar in Rogova. Um, he is the one that guarded the staircase that went down into the bottom where only exclusive members could go. Um, and he was someone who used to fight a lot, okay? If you know anything about uh, Romania and the secret police and the things from back under communism, uh, this guy could hang with any, any of the roughest people Romania ever had to offer. Um, and so he was a, a bouncer there, used to get in fights all the time. And this missionary that was coming into the town to try to spread the gospel, um, the first time they, they met, this Mac punched him, like knocked him out cold almost. Um, Mac was a very rough individual, but what happened was this missionary began to pray for Mac and began to pray and, and, and lift his name up to God and, and ask God to, to give uh, him an understanding of the Bible and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this man, time after time, this missionary would go and he would have to sit through this guy yelling and screaming and, and forcing him out of, of conversations with him. But finally, this man decided, you know what, my life is pretty rough. My life is pretty bad. My wife hates me for things that I've done to her. My children hate me for things that I've done to them. I, I've got to evaluate something else in my life. And he came to a church service in Severine, another, the other town that I was telling you about, and he gave his life to Christ that day. And so what happened was Mac began to go back to the bar where he was working as the bouncer and began to share Christ with other people at the bar. So much so that it got him banned from being able to go back in the bar. He was no longer allowed. Um, but people came to know Jesus as Savior because of his faithfulness, because of him experiencing salvation. And it was so real to him that he had to share it with someone else. And he went back to the very people that he used to fight with and began telling them about Christ. And he went back to his children and his children and his, his wife brought them to church. They became Christ followers. And it was just an amazing story to see how it all unfolded. But the interesting thing is you still don't have a church in Rogova. This man began to pray that God would give them the bar where he used to work so that they could have a church there. So that these children that are growing up in these homes could come to know Christ as their Savior. Could come and experience something different than what Romania has to offer for them, in, at least in that town. And they begin to pray and begin to pray and he begin to partner with the missionary and say, hey, we need a church here in Rogova. We need this building. And so he began to walk around the building, began to pray for God to give him that building. And it wasn't too long until God did. God gave him that building uh, long. Yeah, you can clap for that because that's, 
it's really amazing to see how God can work when his people are faithful and they want to see people come to know Christ as Savior. So Mac began to pray. They, they were able to, to, to get the bar. They were able to renovate it, get a, a church started. And now you see the next couple of pictures here. This is the church that we were in in Rogova. This was the restaurant part of the bar that's now a church. Uh, this was at the beginning of one of the services that we were in. And I wish I would have got one later in the service because there were about 50 or 60 more people that crowded in just standing up there in the back between children and teenagers and older um, individuals that would come in just so they could experience a church service, so they could hear the name of Jesus Christ and hear what the Bible has to say about salvation. You see, under communism, uh, the Orthodox Church, which Romania is about 96% um, Eastern Orthodox, they used to tell the people, hey, look, you do not need a Bible. You need to come to church, and we will tell you what the Bible says. You have no need for it. So the Orthodox Church partnered with the, the communists, and they began to confiscate every Bible that they could get a hold of. They began to, to take them, and they would recycle them into toilet paper so that they could just they do away with all the Bibles because they saw the Bible as a threat. And it was a threat to their way of life. It, it is a threat to communism, like it is a threat to so much of, of what the world stands for and the, what the world believes in. But the interesting thing is, as you begin to go back in and talk to these people who have never had a copy of God's word, and just to see the hunger that they have to hear what Jesus says, to hear who Jesus is, to see what Jesus has done for them, it's incredible to see. And I love going over there. I met Mac for the first time last May when I was in Romania. Then I got to introduce him to our whole group this past year or, or last week. And got to share uh, the story with them. But when you go and you see this, I was talking with Mac, and I said, look, Mac, what are some things uh, that made the biggest impact in your life for Christ? I said, look, you don't just go from bouncer in the bar and strip club to um, a, a Christ follower just fully given in without something making an impact in your life. And he said, there were a few things that made an impact in my life. He said, the first thing was the missionary stayed consistent. He said, and, and in his words, I treated him like crap, okay? The, his word, I treated him like that over and over and over and over and over and over again. And that missionary stayed faithful, and he stayed faithful, and he came, and he continued to share Jesus, continued to share Jesus, continued. And because of his faithfulness to do that, that was impressive to me to where at least I wanted to hear what he had to say, even if I knew I wasn't going to agree with it. And so he, he said that was the first thing. The second thing that he, the, the second one is actually two parts. So there were two parts of scripture that were extremely interesting to him. And I'm going to share those two parts of scripture with you this morning. And it goes back into the discussion that we're having with famous last words. Um, I want you to turn over in your Bible, uh, if you will, to John chapter 19. I'm going to read verses 28 through 30 for you. Jesus is coming to the end of his life. He's on the cross. And uh, Max said as he, as he began to read this story, began to, to hear what Jesus said when he was on the cross, that was one of the most memorable things that had ever happened in his life because it's the first time he'd ever heard it was when he read it by himself. Then he went to church and the missionary began to, to talk about this verse and another verse. And this morning, I just want to share these verses with you. I want to tell you a little bit about what they mean. And my hope is that from today, you will have a new appreciation for what Jesus has done on the cross for you, a new appreciation for the things that Jesus continually does in your life, and you'll also have a desire 
maybe a, a reborn desire to share Jesus with others, regardless of how they treat you. You know, it's interesting uh, in Mac's story, the fact that the missionary stayed faithful even when Mac was treating him as bad as he was. I mean, the missionary, yeah, and, and we can say, you know, missionaries are paid to go reach people. You can say that all, you, all we want to, but at the end of the day, if someone is treating you like that, the easy thing, the natural thing for us to do is say, you know what, I'm done with you. I'm not going to talk to you, not going to spend time with you, not going not to try to reach you because, you know what, you've you got to treat me better than that. After all, I'm trying to help you. Well, you know what? The Bible doesn't tell us to reach people only if they treat us nice. The Bible doesn't tell us to share Jesus with only the ones that will allow you to come in and talk nicely to you. The Bible says that all of creation should hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as Mac is, is explaining all this to me, we get to these verses. Um, just very interesting, his view on these. But I just want to share this, this with you this morning. So we, um, we are in John 19 verses 28 through 30, and it says this, After this, Jesus, knowing all, that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus was at the end of his life. And he said, it is finished. You know, for some people, they say, well, yeah, his life was over, and he knew that. But there are other things that, that Jesus was talking about here that is not only important for Mac to understand in Romania, but it's vital for you to understand as well, because all of our salvation is dependent upon this moment in history. This is the capstone of everything that we see, this through the resurrection of Jesus. You take all of the Old Testament prophecies, you take everything that had been written in Scripture up to this point, and this was the moment that Jesus fulfilled everything that Scripture had ever prophesied. Jesus saying it is finished um, is very powerful, and it's so much more powerful than just three words. So I want to tell you a little bit about these three words here. For us, it is, it is finished. The Greek word, and I will tell you, I have never been very good in Greek, so if I do not pronounce this right, uh, don't throw anything at me. But tetelestai um, is the Greek word that this comes from, okay? And tetelestai comes from the verb teleo, which means to bring it into, to complete, to accomplish, or paid in full. And when Jesus was talking here and he said, it is finished, he's saying, look, everything's paid in full. The debt that you owe to God is paid in full. It is finished. I have done Everything that was required by God so that you could have salvation. You go in, and it, I love the definitions there, but if you only have the definition without the rest of what it means in Greek, you really miss the biggest point, point of it, okay? So you have the definitions there, again, uh, to bring it into, to complete, to accomplish, or to pay in full. Um, but the other part of it is this. This word in this context is spoken in Greeks. Uh, what's called perfect tense, okay? Now, in Greek, perfect tense, has, it means this. It speaks of an action that has been completed with continuing results in the present and into the future. So Jesus is saying, it is finished. The work that I have come to do, the work that the Father has sent me to do, is finished right now. And that has major implications for the past. It has major implications for the present, 
and it has major implications for the future for all of mankind. And, and as I'm talking with Mac, he said, with, if this is true, then this is something worth giving my life for. This is something worth sharing with other people. You take a look at what Jesus was talking about here when he said, it is finished. There's several things, and I'll just read you a list here of things that were finished at this moment um, in time. Number one, the malice of his enemies was finished. You know, the, the, the beatings, the, the hurt, the physical things that we think about was done at this point. Mankind and Satan had done their absolute worst to Jesus. And he's saying, you know what, I, I've bared it all, I've done it all, and it's over, and it's done. Another thing to think about when you think about this particular set of words, it is finished. This is not something that's used lightly. This is something like when you run your, your marathon race that you're running, you go out here and run and run and run, and you finish the marathon, like maybe a life goal, and you get to the end, and you're like, I've finished it. I have accomplished this. I mean, just think about that and maybe in those terms. Something big in your life that you're trying to finish, and Jesus was saying that here. But the malice of his enemies was finished. The sufferings that were ordained by God were finished. You go back and you look at the prophecies um, in the Old Testament, and you see, and even what Jesus had told his disciples leading up to this point, he knew that God had ordained suffering, and those sufferings were done. All of the Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled. You look at the ceremonial law. Uh, I love Romans 10:4. Uh, Christ is the end of the law. Christ had fulfilled everything that the law commanded. You look at um, the, the price of sin was completely paid in full. Love John 1:29, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. His physical sufferings were at an end. His life was at an end. I mean, quite honestly, his life was over. Um, and then the last one is the work of redemption was now complete. The work of redemption was now complete. Full satisfaction was for sin was paid for. This was a fatal blow to Satan. Okay? And then the last part of that is the fountain of grace. I love how this is worded. The fountain of grace opened that will flow on forever and ever and ever. Jesus had come to the end of his, his life saying it is finished. Everything in the past has been taken care of. Right now I am dying so that I can provide salvation for everyone from now until the end of, of eternity. And I love that because Jesus was not just talking about his life. He's talking about an ongoing um, ordeal, I think we could say, that he had come to the end of his life and said, you know what? My life has been given and I've done everything that I needed to do so that I could pr provide salvation for people living in Romania just like I can for people living in the state of Texas. Throughout all of time. And as I'm talking with Mac about this, you can just see um, the intensity in, in, his, in his life at that moment. You know, he talks about the fact of what Jesus did for him in spite of everything that he had done to everyone else. And one of the things that he told me was, I said, Craig, you know, I, I treated the missionary really bad, but my family, man, <laughs> I treated my family horribly. He says, when I understood the fact that my actions did not exclude me from the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ. It was like I found new life. And when I found that new life, it completely and utterly changed every fiber of who I am. And if you've ever experienced Jesus, you understand that that's the case. 
our past actions, the things that we've done in the past, the things that we're doing now, it does not exclude you from the love, grace, and mercy of Jesus Christ. And if you've never accepted the salvation that's provided by the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, now would be a good time for you to do that this morning. But there was another part of this for for Mac that I want to continue with here this morning because he says, it's not only that I, I was seeing salvation in a very clear way for the very first time, truly understanding what it meant to uh, have Jesus die on the cross. You know, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. The Old Testament, uh, you see that there were sacrifices on a yearly basis that covered people's sin. And, and as I'm talking with Mac, um, he said, you know what, when I understood that, that no one had to sacrifice anymore, no one had to do anything for their sins except trust in Christ. He said, not only did that have major implications for me, not only did that have major implications for my family, but it had major implications for every person that I've come in contact with since. Because if I have been given something so great, how can I not share that with other people? He says, you know, I try to do that, not only here in Rogova, but I try to help in Severine. I try to go to Lupsha and, and help in the church there. And if you, you were there on our trip, you see that Mac is everywhere. And he is taking care of children, and he is teaching uh, teenagers, and he's helping with the, the older adults, and he's helping with everyone in between. But the other verse that he said that was really important to him, that made a huge impact in his life, really validated his feelings on what happens after salvation is Matthew 28. So I want you to turn over there. A very familiar set of verses here in Matthew 28, um, verses 18 through 20. Read those for you. It says in this, uh, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, Mac understood something that we understand here today. When we experience Christ, when we understand who Jesus is, what happened on the cross, what happened through the resurrection, we have a responsibility to then pick up what Jesus had started and sent us on a mission to do, and that was to share Jesus with other people. You take a look at the death of Jesus on the cross, and you go all the way through the Old Testament, Genesis all the way to that point, okay? We say it is finished, but, but the other part of it is it's just beginning. We're not, we're not just finished. We are finished with this part, but we are beginning another part. We are starting something else. I am starting my church. I am beginning a movement of people that will take the gospel all around the world so that people can trust and see the name of Jesus Christ is above all names. And by faith in him, we have salvation. By faith in him, we are restored to a relationship with God the Father because I, Jesus, have paid the price that was required on the cross for your sins and for the sins of everyone around the world. And I love it. You go in and you take a look at Jesus uh, talking to his disciples and he, he began talking about starting his church. He was talking to Peter, and he says, hey, you're Peter, um, and upon this rock, I'm going to start my church. And what's always been interesting to me about that, that particular set of verses is we always focus on the idea of who the rock is, right? Who is the rock? Was he talking about Peter? Is he talking about himself, Jesus? And, you know, the traditional view is he's talking uh, about himself, Jesus, um, starting the church on himself. You know, others say Peter, 
But the point is, it's all irrelevant from that standpoint. What's most important in that verse to me is this. The fact that Jesus is starting something. I mean, he, he knew what was happening on the cross, yet he was starting a movement. And the, and the word that he uses there is ekklesia. I don't know if you've ever heard or know anything about the word ekklesia. Um, but ekklesia um, is actually translated a movement, a gathering, a fellowship, a group of people. Ekklesia is not actually a very religious word either. Uh, it's actually used in, in all kinds of different situations. But ekklesia was something that, that Jesus used to describe the movement that he was beginning that started with his death on the cross and his resurrection. And ekklesia means, I am going to build my family. I'm going to build my gathering, and I am commanding, I'm, I'm putting it on you to take the gospel all around the world so my fellowship of people can grow. You see, church is not just something where we come and we sit in pews. It's not just something where we mark it off of our list. It is a family that takes care of each other. It's a family that's more concerned about what's going on in people's lives so that we can help them than to talk about them. You know, church is something that, that we, especially getting close to Easter, we need to understand that we are about something bigger than just ourselves, our families, and the things that are going on in our lives. We are about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to every part of the world, here in America, and at the same time, all the way around the world, in every other country that we can. And as I'm talking to Mac, and he's understanding this, it just made perfect sense for this morning for me to share this with you in light of what Pastor Fox asked me to talk about this morning. Because when you truly see and experience the life that Jesus gives, and you experience it on such a personal level that it's so real to you, that it impacts everything about your life, you cannot help but make that the foundation piece of everything that you're about moving forward. Telling people about the salvation that, that you were provided through Christ. And so this morning really all boils down to, to a couple of very simple things. Number one, do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you ever really looked at this from the aspect of a personal relationship with Jesus? The thing about Christ is this. If Jesus is who he says he is, if Jesus did what he said he did, if the Bible is true and accurate and describing everything that happened, then that has serious implications on your life and on my life. So the question for you that you have to square with is this, is it true? Mac thinks it is. Mac sees it and believes it. I believe it. Your pastor believes it, and many people in this room believe it. But if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, it's not about what you think. It's not about your thoughts about it. It's about what is truth. What does truth say? And if truth says that Jesus was completing the mission by God, that he lived a perfect life and never sinned, died on the cross, having finished his mission, rose from the grave that third day. And, and I know we'll talk about that we'll talk about that next week at Easter. But if that is absolute truth, then that is something that you would be foolish not to consider. And today I hope you will. If you are here and you're saved, I, I hope, you know, what this means to me when I look back at the Greek and I understand that Jesus was saying, yeah, I'm, I'm bringing an end to this process. I am completing my mission. I have accomplished everything, and I have paid in full the price for your sin. I did it for the past. I'm doing it for the, the present, and I'm doing it for the future. I mean, when we see that, that should give us new motivation 
to take that and listen to what Jesus told his followers in Matthew and take that message to, to the uttermost parts of the world. So the question for you, if you are here and you are saved this morning, is this. Who do you know around you that doesn't know Christ as Savior? You say, well, I don't know anyone that's not saved. Well, you need to go meet some new people, right? Let's be about the business that God has us about, spreading, spreading the message of his son. I'm going to pray for us this morning. We're going to sing a, a verse of invitation. If you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior this morning, I want to encourage you to come down out front. Pastor is going to be here, and um, we are going to uh, give you a moment to come down and share Christ, or let us share Christ with you, show you in the Bible what it says, even more than we did this morning. You say, well, I don't want to come down front. The Bible says if you put your faith in Christ, you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, put your faith and trust in him, he says you will be saved. And you can do that right there just like you can down front. And, but here's the thing. If you want to say, you know what, I'll, I'll accept Christ, but I'm going to do it here, then here's what you need to do. After church, you need to come tell Pastor Fox that you gave your life to Christ this morning. You need to come down here. So not, not so we can add you to a, a list of, of people or whatever, but so that we can celebrate the new life in Christ that you have, the same life that we've experienced in Christ. And this morning, if you're here again and you are saved, then here's what I would encourage you to do. As I pray, just pray and say, you know what, God, give me people in my life that I can share Jesus with today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Every day, bring someone else into my life that I can share Jesus with. And Father, I pray that you would just use me to share the gospel with people so that you can impact their lives the way that you have mine. Just bow your heads, close your eyes, and we'll pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, God, for the privilege that we have to come and, uh, and worship you in church this morning. Thank you for the chance that we have to come and, and fellowship with each other and sing songs and listen to your, your word. And Father, I just pray for Lord, decisions to be made this morning. I pray for anyone here that doesn't know you as Savior. I pray that you'd impress upon their heart that they need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus. Father, just thank you for it, and I pray that you would 